Welcome to the teachings of Pastor Mike Yost of the Springs Calvary Chapel in Habern, Idaho. Please join us as we study the Word of God. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Whatever he did, he made it to prosper. Verse chapter 40, verse 1, and it came to pass. One of my favorite phrases in the Bible. Whatever you're in, just know it came, and the whole purpose was to pass. We're on a journey. This ain't it, okay? We're heaven bound, okay? And all of this is part of that pilgrimage. We're just, we're just going through it, and, and there's going to be days like Joseph where it's not great, but even in those days, you can know it came to pass. It came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Interesting, in verse 1 right here, we get king, lord, and pharaoh. They're all interchangeable, same guy, same title. He's the big kahuna. Literally, pharaoh and the, and the dynasty that he's in is really the great house, and the name pharaoh means head of the great house, okay? He is the um, boss of the this global empire, biggest empire on the planet in his day, okay? And these guys offended him. Not, not a good thing. Verse 2, and Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. And so the butler, he would be like the cup bearer, right? He would make sure that he always had something to drink on the table or if he requested something, that was his job. But it wasn't just to serve him beverages, it was also to taste the beverages a, to make sure that they were fit for a king and that they weren't poisoned in case somebody wanted to kill the king, okay? Or maybe not even poisoned, maybe just foul and not good for the king. And so that was his job. His life was on the line. He was right there with the king, right? And had, you know, any good thing the king had, he had it too. But he was in this position. It says the Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, chief butler and the chief baker. Now, the baker was the one who brought him his food, okay? Same song, second verse, okay? Make sure that the food is fit for the king, but if anybody would try to poison the king, we'll know because the baker just died, right? So, he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. We know this to be Potiphar's realm. This is what uh, Joseph was... Uh, doing when he was falsely accused and thrown into prison with Potiphar as the overseer. He put him in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison in the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, so they were in custody for a while. Now, this is, we talked about it last week, it's like club fed, okay? These are political prisoners, right? They're not murderers or uh, uh, rebels or that kind of a thing, but they're just people that got sideways with the government, okay? Got a little bit of that going on in our country today, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. You're going to be the boss of them. You need to take care of them. And he served them, and they were in custody for a while. We're going to see it's about two years when it's over. Chapter, or verse 5. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream. Both of them, each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. So we got two different men, two separate dreams, Two separate meanings of the dreams, but one common source. And Joseph came to them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad or dejected, you know, downcast. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. Now, Joseph knew God. Joseph knew the God of dreams. God had already given Joseph dreams, and so he says, tell me your dreams. I want to understand that a little bit better. A similar thing happened to Daniel, another person who was taken away, held hostage in the Babylonian Empire. And he had dreams and revelations of dreams. And in Daniel chapter 2 at verse 27, 
when Nebuchadnezzar had a dream he couldn't figure out, it said, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, and the magicians and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. But, and this is Daniel, there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. And he goes on to explain what these dreams are all about. And this one happened to be a statue with a head of gold, a chest of silver, uh, waist of bronze, and legs of iron. You maybe are familiar with that. But anyways, Daniel was able to help them because God was able to help Daniel, okay, and gave him that vision. We read in the book of Joel, later uh, in the history of Israel, speaking prophetically for the day that we live in right now. Joel writes, and it came to pass, there's that phrase again, it came to pass afterward, which is for us today, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And so we see this is something that comes from the Spirit of God. It's His Holy Spirit indwelling with us and manifesting God's will to us through His Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians, we read in chapter 2 at verse 9, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. How can you know the mind of Christ? Well, you confess Christ is your Lord, and His Holy Spirit will reveal what God is thinking. This is kind of what's happening in all of this. In 1 Corinthians, at chapter 12 now, moving a little further in, at verse 4, speaking of this gift, this manifestation, this working and power of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. It says in uh, verse 4 of chapter 12, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestations of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. This is the reason why God does this. He gives you a gift, you a gift, you a gift. And in fact, everybody who confesses Jesus Christ does receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can work in each of us, as it says, in diverse ways as He chooses. Uh, if we, uh, I think I'll just, I'm going to stop right there on that part. Okay, so here Joseph is displaying gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, he says, go, tell them to me, please. Verse 9, then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, behold, in my dream, a vine was before me. It sounds like vacation Bible school in our jungle. A dream was before me, a vine were three branches, and it was though it budded, its blossoms shot forth, its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. So this sounds like a dream related to what the butler would normally do, okay? Verse 12, and Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place or your position. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. But remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For indeed, I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and I also have done nothing here that they should put me into the dungeon. And so he says, tell me the dream, and then he says, this is the meaning of the dream. How do we know if it's of God? How do we know this is the right interpretation? Is there any way that we can check? Yeah. You watch and see what happens, right? 
Often people will have a vision from the Lord, a word of wisdom from the Lord, uh, something from the Lord to share with other people. And often as we get into smaller groups and we're praying, God might move on a person and, and they may, may speak for something that they feel that God has um, shared. And what do we do? We wait and see. Is it the Lord? If it's the Lord, it's going to happen. If it's not the Lord, it's too much pepperoni pizza, okay? Or something like that. Okay, verse 16. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in my dream, and there were three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. Okay, so this dream kind of matches what he does for a living. Verse 18, so Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head, not lift up your head, but lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Okay, it is a dream. We usually classify those under the category of nightmare, not a good dream, bad news, okay? Verse 20, now it came to pass on the third day. There you go. It came to pass. This is how we know God's in it. We see his hand. It's declared the end from the beginning, and God brings it about, okay? Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and the chief baker among the servants. Not your best birthday. Now, I, kind of interesting in all of this, in Matthew chapter 14, verses 6 through 10, is the only other place where you see the word birthday in the Bible. Here with Pharaoh and the baker, and there with Herod and John the Baptist. And it was Herod's birthday when he decided to lift off the head of John the Baptist. So however you want to go about celebrating your birthday, just know that biblically, this is the only two references we have of how birthdays were celebrated, okay? <laughs> so I, I, I don't know what to do with that, but <laughs> it kind of de-emphasizes my birthday. It's more my born-again day. That's the one I want to celebrate, amen? So, so we've got this happening going on. Verse 21, then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker. Joseph had interpreted them had, as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. <laughs> right? Oh, please, when, when you get out and you tell the Pharaoh what I told you and it comes to pass, remember, I'm the guy. Remember, tell him, there's another guy in prison. He's a good guy. In fact, they put him in charge of the whole prison, and he's just a blessing to all of us. And he told us this was going to happen, Pharaoh. You ought to go and get him out. Oh, I forgot, right? Um, kind of a sad thing. We read in Hebrews 13, verse 3, to remember the prisoners as though you were chained with them, right? And, and we, all of us as Christians, recognize that we are free from the shackles of sin and the shame of the things that we've done. Jesus has broken us free from that. We're no longer prisoners, but we were. And as such, we should remember those who still are. Obviously, we could say um, those people who are maybe at Minicash's stay-free hotel. We should be thinking about them. You know, and for the last two years, during this whole lockdown thing, we haven't been able to get into the jails with our prison ministry. By God's grace, about, I don't know, four months ago, he opened up a small crack in the door where we can get chaplains in on one-on-one -on -one personal visits. One of the positive things that came out of that so far is that we found out, because we've been praying this whole time, Lord Jesus, let these people know, know you. And let them have Bible studies. Let them have Bibles. Let them know. And going into the prisons, we got reports from people that have been in there. You know what? There's guys that have risen up. They've got Bibles, and we're doing Bible study by ourselves in the prison. Okay? So God is in there even though we couldn't get there. But we always want to remember those who, were who are prisoners because we once were. And it's more than just incarceration. 
it's everybody that doesn't know Jesus, okay? Our message is, let me tell you about my Jesus, okay? And we want to see them set free as well. So, here he is in prison for two years. It says in chapter 41, and it came to pass. Again, the story moves along. Nothing lasts forever, but in this case, it came to pass at the end of two full years. And that's how we know. It's been two years that he's been in that prison. Kind of interesting. I just a thought that struck me. It's been a little bit over two years since January 6th at the Capitol and what is going on in the world today. And how many people? There's been a, a 862 people charged but there are still people that haven't been tried. 40% have been tried and got jail time, but there's still people waiting for their trial. Here we are all this time later, they're languishing in jail. They've had charges brought, but they're going through pretrial motions and they're just sitting and waiting and sitting and waiting and sitting and waiting. You wonder, really? What's going on? Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be something like January 6th. And a lot of us, we find ourselves in some kind of a prison or some kind of a, uh, like a, I, I think of it like a sally port, okay? Using prison terminology, when you go into jail, if you've never done this, okay, well, part of going into the jail is you have to go through a sally port. What that is is two doors, locked doors, with a small hallway in the middle. And they have video, and they see you, and you kind of get, get, get checked in and everything, and they buzz the door, and the first door opens, and you come in, and clunk, it closes behind you. And now you're stuck in this little hallway until they buzz the second door, and you can go on in, okay? And, and, and part of this is, um, what, what are we doing in this place and in this meantime? Um, what, what, have, what happens when you're in this sally port of life. You can't go forward, you can't go back, you're just stuck. You're maybe not even a bad person. A lot of these are people witnessing in the jails, okay? They're good people. They're there to tell people about Jesus, but nevertheless, you are, at least for the time being, hostage. You're held there, and you feel, if you haven't done it, you should do it. It's cool, um, but <laughs> what it really is, I'll tell you what, you go to jail, and you go to jail ministry, and you get a bunch of people who basically, they're, in, they're incarcerated. They are open. Their hearts are open. Their minds are open. They're ready to receive Jesus. They know they need something, okay? And it's, it's Jesus hangs out at jail. If you don't know that, you want to go see Jesus, go to jail. You'll meet him, okay? Anyways, so here's Joseph. He's in this sally port, of life, or he's in the prison literally for two years. These people of uh, January 6th, some of them awaiting their trial. You know, it's been about two years since the lockdown, and all of our lives have been changed. And a lot of people feel like, oh, I wish we could get back to normal when things are going to get better and everything. And I, they're not getting better. I don't know if you've noticed, but that's not happening, right? But my question is, and this is something I find it interesting as I go around and I meet people from different churches, I have lunch with pastors in different groups and communities, and we talk about, and it's funny, the conversation still comes up these couple years later, you know, since coronavirus, since the COVID, you know, it really knocked us out of the game. And I'm like, really? What have we been doing in the last two years as a church We've been preaching Jesus. We've been growing. We, we're, we're trying to figure out, you know, where we're going to go next, and things are just over the top. What are you doing with your time, okay? Even if it's a timeout from God, okay? Because obviously, God is in control of this situation right now, um, and we're going to see a little bit more of that as I keep moving along. So then it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he stood by a river. Okay, this Pharaoh, according to kind of the chronology, would be Sesostris II, okay? And he was the fourth king of the 12th dynasty of the Egyptian empire. This would be when they were at the zenith of their power, okay? And so he's a, he's a, he's a big dude, okay? He got a lot going on, but he has this dream. Suddenly, verse 2, there came up out of the river seven cows, fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river, ugly and gaunt, and stood by the other cows at the bank of a river. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking cows, so, look, 
fine-looking and fat cows, so Pharaoh awoke. Yeah, have you ever woke out of a dream and you're like, whoa, what was that? Yikes, cannibal cows, what is this dream, right? And often dreams are like just, they're weird a lot of times, and you're trying to, what does this mean, Lord, okay? And I don't put a lot of emphasis on different dreams that I have. I'm not one that goes around and wakes up every morning, I wonder what that meant, I wonder what that meant. I get dreams all the time, but they're just weird. And, you know, what is interesting is occasionally you go through life and it's almost like you have that deja vu moment. I think I've been here before. And what often is the case is I had a dream about this. Anybody ever had that experience, right? Now, we want to be careful, and, and I don't want to just let all the um, inmates out of the asylum, so to speak. A lot of people, you know, they hear about all this stuff, and next thing they want to do is counterfeit all these amazing dreams, and I had this, and I had that. Again, we need to check it with God. Is God in it? Did it come to pass? Is it got the Holy Spirit in it? We're going to talk about that as we go forward, but here, Pharaoh has a dream. Clearly, we're reading in the Bible, this comes from God, this bizarre cannibal cow dream. Verse 5, uh, he woke. So he slept and dreamed a second time, and suddenly seven heads of grain came up on one stalk, plump and good. And then behold, seven thin heads blighted by the east wind sprang up after them. And the seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. So Pharaoh awoke, and indeed it was a dream. Talk about gluten intolerance. Oh, <laughs> That's fair, okay. But here's the good news, verse 8, it came to pass, okay? We didn't get stuck in the dream, he woke up, okay? Um, it says, now it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called all the magicians of Egypt. This is his, his cabinet, right? Just like we have that in the executive branch. All these people, they called the mag magicians of Egypt and it's all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret for Pharaoh. It's interesting. God is visiting a Gentile, okay, a non-believer. Okay, to the Jew, anybody who didn't follow after Yahweh God is a Gentile. But in our vernacular today, in the world we live in, this are, there are believers and non-believers, right? There are saints and there are ain'ts, okay? And God gives a dream to an ain't, okay? And you're like, can God do that? Can God speak to an ain't, a, a Gentile, a non-believer? Of course he can. He can talk to anybody he wants anytime. He's God. In fact, we see it happen in the Bible in other places. Um, Nebuchadnezzar, the dream I mentioned earlier, he wasn't a believer. God gave him dreams. Um, Pilate's wife, we just read this on Wednesday night when Pilate is supposed to decide whether Jesus would be set free or crucified and his wife says, have nothing to do with that unjust man. I suffered many things in my dreams last night. Leave him alone, right? So God can speak to a Gentile. Here he is speaking to a non-believer. And his spirit is troubled, and he calls his wise guys, and uh, we don't know what we're going to do with it. Um, so verse 9, then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults this day. Ah, something tri triggered his mind, right? Um, and it's kind of interesting here. This, this word for faults uh, is the, the word chata, but what it is is a type of sin. It's called the sin of omission. You know, there are sins of commission. You committed it. You did it. You knew it was a sin and you did it. That's the sin of commission. But you know, there are sins of omission. You didn't do it and you should have done it. In the book of James, it says to know to do right and not do it, that's sin, okay? And in some cases, we don't even know we're sinning. In some cases, it, we're, we're just in the flesh, we're not giving our brain, you know, or we're not using our brain and we do stupid stuff. What do you do when you go, ah, I realize, or I remember, or somebody pointed out to me that it was a sin? It's the same thing you do with sins of commission. When you learn that you have sinned, you confess your sins. Christ is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You, you confess, you repent. You, you get the same mind of Christ. You look at what this sin is, as David would say, against you and you only, God, have I sinned. And you recognize the sin for what it is. That's repentance, turning away from your old way of doing it. 
And then as much as possible, you, you restore, you, you fix what you have broken. Now, not always possible. Sometimes we realize way too late, a day late and a dollar short. I can't go back and fix that bridge. I broke, I, you know, it, it's, it's, not, it's not there. But as much as is possible, we should be trying to heal whatever things we've done wrong. So uh, Chief Butler spoke to Pharaoh saying, I remember my, remember my faults this day. When Pharaoh was angry with his servants and he put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker, we each had a dream in one night. He and I, each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now there was a young Hebrew man here with us a servant of the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted our dream for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream. And what's it say in your Bible? It came to pass. And it came to pass. Just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me to my office, and he hanged him. And he hanged him. Okay? And so, basically, we get this recounting. The, the butler goes, <gasps> Now I remember, Joseph, right? Good. Finally, a uh, day late and a dollar short, right? Two years later. But do you think God didn't realize this? Do you think God couldn't have just opened up the prison doors and, and Joseph could have walked out? He did that with Peter when they had killed or executed James. That night, Peter's laying in, in jail waiting to wake up the next morning and have his head cut off. And he's laying there and the angel comes to him and says, Peter, get up. And Peter doesn't get up, and he has to, act. it says he kicks him in the side. Get up, <laughs> okay? And he has to pull him out of jail. The door opens, and, and he's free, right? God could do that if he wanted, or if God wanted and he saw it was best for what was coming around, he could say, no, you're an innocent man, and you're going to sit there for two years. It's not time yet. I have something planned that you have no idea but if you'll just trust me. And what did Joseph do the whole time he was in jail? He prospered the jail. He served the people. He was put in charge of the whole jail. He was of such a high reputation. God prospered him and all he did, he just got busy about the Lord's work, whatever circumstances he found himself in, until such a time as God says, now it's time to change. We're going somewhere else. And until God says to change, Blossom where you're planted, okay? Whatever your situation is, um, just try to bring glory to the Lord in it, okay? Verse 14, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and, they sh and he shaved, uh, and out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. Just a side note, the Egyptians in those days were in the custom of shaving all their body hair. That was just how they rolled, okay? The Hebrews didn't. They didn't shave at all, right? They're mostly famous for always having beards, right? And so, so to the Egyptians, the Hebrews were kind of nasty, dirty, disgusting people because they didn't shave, right? So what do they do with Joseph, who's been in the jail, probably wearing the same clothes for two years, and just, you can imagine what a mess he is. You're going to go meet the most important person on the planet, we need to clean you up. So they shave him. They get a, uh, uh, just like when you go to an arraignment, right, and a trial, you know, and you see this person who the whole world knows is not a really good person, but they show up in a three-piece suit, right? Why do they do that? <laughs> They're trying to put their best foot forward, and this is what's happening here. Verse 15, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have, ha I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it, but I have heard it said that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it's not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And I love this, right? In John or in James 4:11 again it says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and in due season he will lift you up, right? And I like what we read in Proverbs 21 verse 1 it says, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, like rivers of water he, God, turns it, the king's heart, whichever way he wishes. And so the king here doesn't realize that he's not on autopilot, that God is calling the shots. But nevertheless, uh, he has an audience with Joseph um, and asks what this is. And Joseph answers him, it's not in me. God will give an Pharaoh an answer of peace, okay? And so now we're going to see this interpretation. I'll read through a chunk pretty quick. It's kind of repetitious of what we've heard before. 
Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream I stood on the bank of the river. Suddenly seven cows came up out of the river, fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then, behold, seven other cows came up after him, poor and very ugly and gaunt, such ugliness as I have never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the gaunt and ugly cows ate up the first seven, the fat cows. And when they had eaten them up, no one would have known that they had eaten them up, for they were just as ugly as from the beginning. So I awoke. Also, I saw in my dream, and suddenly seven heads came up on one stalk, full and good. Then behold, seven heads withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind sprang up after them. And the thin heads devoured the seven good heads. So I told this to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. So now he's giving an interpretation, what we call in the uh, Bible, a word of knowledge, a revelation that you couldn't have known other than God put it in your mind, okay? Um, he says, the seven cows are seven years and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are one. And the seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years and the seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt. So that's what these fat cows and plump heads of grain represented. Prosperity and abundance, a great harvest, everything's going to be good. But verse 30, after them, seven years of famine will arise and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt and the famine will deplete the land. Sounds like a supply chain issue to me. Verse 31, you're supposed to laugh. I guess that wasn't funny. Thank you. That was very kind of you. Okay. <laughs> 31. So, so the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now, in addition to an interpretation of the dream, a word of wisdom, we're going to see Joseph um, manifest several other gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gift of discernment, administration, helps. He's going to put together a package of what we're going to do. Verse 33, now therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years, okay? So there's the plan. We're going to get a lot of plenty. We need to collect an uh, emergency savings budget, okay? Not an emergency spending budget in the years of plenty, but an emergency savings budget. And it's interesting. Uh, he says one-fifth. That's 20% tax, basically, on all the people. And this, in these days, as best as the, um, the archaeologists can figure out, they paid about 10% tax. So now Joseph is doubling their taxes, okay? Um, and yet it's for their good, okay? That we're going we're gonna to save so there's uh, money in the budget. And for what it's worth in America, the effective tax rate for us today is about 37% if you want to put that all together. It used to be you worked, worked till the middle of March, till tax season. To, that was the part of the year you worked to pay the government and the rest you could keep. They've moved that. Now it's knocking on June's door. It's, it's amazing how much. It's in, somewhere in the month of May we work to pay our taxes. And so Joseph has raised basically a tax on them um, and let them gather, verse 35, all the food in those good years that are coming and store up grain uh, under the authority of Pharaoh, and let them keep the food in the city. So build storehouses and gather it. Verse 36, then that food shall be as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, and the land may not perish during the famine. So this is amazing. This is really, really good advice, really great wisdom. We're going to see it works, okay? But in this, we see all these spiritual gifts being manifested. As we read earlier, God gives to his... Um, children, gifts of the Spirit. We've seen the word of knowledge. We've seen discernment, another gift, the gift of administration, the gift of helps, the gift of faith. In fact, there's several places in the scripture that enumerate gifts. In the book of Numbers, it says that he gave uh, Beziel the gift of 
craftsmanship or artistry to build the temple that that when he wa- or the tabernacle and and we see other places in the book of Romans in uh, chapter 12 at verse 3 we read for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith for as we have many members in one body but all the same members do not have the same function So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. And here's some of the gifts. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who, who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Another list that we see is in the book of Ephesians. And beginning in chapter 4, at verse 4, we read, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called, and one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in y'all. Okay? And it goes on to enumerate different offices that God gifts the church with. Verse 11, he says, and he himself, God, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And then again, in the book of 1 Corinthians, another listing. I mentioned there already in chapter 12, difference of ministries, diversity of activities, and manifestation uh, given to all for the benefit of all. But if we go into 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses 8 through 11, we get this list. For to one is given the word of wisdom of the Spirit. That's what Joseph was using to interpret the dream. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gift of healings by the same Spirit. Do you notice they're all by the same Spirit, but they're different for each person? To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these, distributing to each one individually as He wills. It goes on to say in verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. And then we get some questions. Are all apostles? The answer is no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? Obviously not. Do all have the gift of healings? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. And then Paul gathers all that together, writing, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And that more excellent way is love. That all of these gifts should be operating in love, putting others before ourselves, edifying the whole body. And so not only do we see the gifts in Joseph's life here, but we see the fruit of the Spirit. When the Spirit is manifest and working in your life, you're going to see the fruit, love, joy, and here's Joseph, peace, patience, two years in jail, and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, he never quits, meekness, and self-control. And so we see the Holy Spirit working in the life of Joseph for the good of all, okay? Now, verse 37, so the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. Get a wise man, a discerning man, put him in charge of this program, and we'll save the empire, okay? Better than Luke Skywalker, right? He's gonna, this is real. This isn't just fake stuff. This happened in history. You can go back and look at the 12th dynasty, and you can see these things happening in Egypt, okay? Verse 38, and Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this man in whom is the Spirit of God? I love this because what did Pharaoh just say? Even though he's polytheistic, he worshiped all kinds of gods. You know, Egypt is well known for all of its different gods. But here he says, can we find a man such as this in whom is the Spirit of God? Elohim, okay, Yahweh God. 
Pharaoh's recognizing we need that guy with that Jesus, not just any old guy, not just any old God. We need the guy that's got the God, okay, that is, that's got Jesus, okay? Verse 39, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning, as wise as you. You shall be over my house and all my people and shall be according and shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I've set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed them in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried out before him, Bow the knee. So he set them over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name, so he gives him an Egyptian name, Zaphnath Paanea, okay, which is translated the revealer of dreams, or the revealer of secrets. And he gave him a wife as well, Asenath, and that kind of translates God lives and speaks, and uh, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. Now, On was uh, Hierapolis. We know that as Hierapolis in Egypt, and that's where they had the temple to Ra, the sun god. Her daddy was the priest to Ra, and yet she becomes the bride of Joseph, okay? I bring all these things out because we live in a world where um, there's a mixture of things going on, and maybe you married somebody B.C., before Christ, okay? But that doesn't mean that God can't work and won't work and doesn't have a plan to work in that situation. And here we see this coming to pass in Joseph's life. And it's kind of interesting how this all comes to pass. One of the things in this chapter that's amazing, it's like it's, uh, uh, there's a dream, there's a birthday, <laughs> there's an execution, there's a promotion, and what a day, okay? And you almost might say Joseph went from pr prisoner to prime minister in one day. What a radical change of circumstances, right? Or was it two years? Or was it 13 years? We're on a journey, and it came to pass. And every one of these steps are the steps that brought Joseph to where he is today. It didn't happen in one day. It's an, your life is an accumulant accumulation of all these moments, right? And, and knowing that, you do have some control of which direction your life is going because you do have control of what you do now. I can't control what I did then, and I can't control tomorrow, but I do have a say in how I behave today, and all of those things are going to add up to what my life will be summarized as. Verse 46, so jo Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. Now in the seven plentiful years, the ground brought forth abundantly, just as God's dream predicted. There you go. It was from God. How do we know it was from God? It happened, okay? So he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt, and he laid up the food in the cities, and he laid up every city, laid up in every city the food of the fields which surrounded them. Joseph gathered very much grain as the sand of the sea until he stopped counting, for it was immeasurable. It was just coming in like crazy, right? Verse 50, and to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine. So this is in the first seven years, while everything is prospering and everything is going just wonderful. He's got his wife. He's out of jail. He's the prime minister, the, the big kahuna next to Pharaoh. He's living the dream. And remember, he had this dream that his sheep would stand up and others would bow down. The sun and the moon and the stars would bow down to him. Some people take that as an interpretation of the gods of the Egyptians all recognizing him because the Egyptians worship the sun god, the moon god, and the stars. So these are, he's living the dream, right? He's got a great job, great wife. He's got kids. Um, we haven't quite seen that yet. He's got his own home. He's got his two-chariot garage. He's just living the dream, right? It says, and Joseph 
to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, bore to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And Manasseh means making forgetful. Isn't it funny how you're going through a, t a rough patch, an ugly patch, a terrible patch, and, and when you're in the middle of it, that is all you can see, and it hurts, it stinks, you don't like it, and you think it's never going to end, it's always going to be like this, and then one day you look and go, ah, I forgot about that. Now, I don't mean to make you start going back and thinking of all your failures in life, but you know what? They're gone. You're, you're moving forward with Jesus, and and. And this is what he named his son, making forgetful. Now that, now that I have a child, I've got a wife, I've been restored, I, I don't even think about those things. It's wonderful. I was talking to several people over the last couple days how when God changes your heart and you become a new creature in Christ, boy, all that stuff that is in the past, yeah, it's your history. Yeah, somebody could probably dig it up in a Google search or whatever, but it's not you. You're not that person anymore. You're living this new life, right? And that's what's happening with him and his son he names Making Forgetful. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And Ephraim means twice fruitful or double blessing, okay? It's kind of cool. Then the seven years of plenty, which were in the land of Egypt, ended, and the seven years of famine be began to come. As Joseph had said, the famine was in all the lands, but in all the lands of Egypt, um, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. So here's this famine across the globe, and nobody can get any food except in Egypt, because God gave a dream, God gave a vision, He gave it to Joseph, because the cupbearer told him there was a guy in prison who interpreted dreams. He was in prison because he had been thrown there unjustly because of Potiphar's wife's falsification. He was in Potiphar's house because his brothers despised him because of his dreams. You see how this all works together? And, uh, and here he is, the famine was in all the lands, but in Egypt there was bread, verse 55. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried out to Pharaoh for bread. Then Pharaoh said to the Egyptians, go to Joseph. Whatever he says to you, do. I love this, right? We were talking about finding Jesus in Genesis and how Joseph and Jesus have so many things similar. Do you remember the wedding in Cana that we read about in John chapter 2? They get to this wedding, they run out of wine, and Mary tells the servants, whatever Jesus tells you, just do it, right? And, and it, this is what Pharaoh is saying, whatever Joseph says, does it, right? Um, it's kind of cool. It's Jesus in Genesis. So the famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, and the famine became severe in the land of Egypt. So all the countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe in all the lands. Worship team, come on up here. We're going to go ahead and close this out. I just think it's interesting as we watch all of this, and we see so many people who were prisoners. Jeremiah was a prisoner. Moses uh, was, was a prisoner. In fact, 400 years later, Moses is going to be uh, second in charge in the land of Egypt. And we see all these, these patterns repeat. And the Bible teaches, or the rabbis teach, that pattern is prophecy. When you got, see God doing the same thing over and over in your life, then, then you can see this is the hand of God. I did this, God did that, I did this, God did that, I did this, God did that. We ended the vacation Bible school with uh, the abounding in thanksgiving. The Bible verse for the week was uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And as we receive Christ Jesus and we walk in His Holy Spirit and our roots go down deep and we are built up and we recognize that we are standing on the solid rock established in the faith just as we were taught, the net result is thanksgiving, gratitude, prayer. You just start becoming a vessel of grace to those around you. God pours it in you and you pour it on out. And I like what we read, and I'm going to wrap up right here. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2 through 11.
Peter encourages, starting with the leaders and working on through the church, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, but not by compulsion, but willingly, that's Joseph, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace who called us to eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To Him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen? Amen. 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 Father God, we thank You so much for Joseph and how we can look to him as we find ourselves in difficult straits. We can learn from you. We can learn about peace and patience and kindness and goodness, self-control in our circumstances. We can expect, Lord, that you are there and you've never forsaken or abandoned us, no matter what it may look like to us. If we're not seeing you, we're not seeing clearly. Help us, Lord. Open the eyes of our heart and let us see you and your, your, just your plan for our life. Let us know, help us to know that all things are working together for good because we love you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about the Springs Calvary Chapel, please visit our website at www.thespringscalvarychapel.org. Join us in person at the Springs in Hebron, Idaho, or here on the podcast as we worship together in spirit and in truth.